This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we usually do. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing well, man. And we are working our way around the league. Today we are in Orlando. Going to be talking to Aaron Goldstone of the Orlando Pinstriped Post. That's the SB Nation blog for the Magic. And uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about this team today, which uh, there's a little bit of news coming out just uh, just today or last night, depending on when you're hearing this. Uh, Markel Fultz, his option is picked up uh, for next season. Maybe we could just start off right there. Do you have any impressions of that, Aaron? We can jump right in. Yeah, Rich and, and Brendan, thanks for reaching out and, and having me on. Um, you know, yesterday was kind of a procedural move day for uh, the Magic. You know, they, they had some no-brainers. They picked up, you know, fourth-year option on Jonathan Isaac and a third-year option on uh, Mo Bamba. Um, but the, the, the move that I guess made the most news was the fourth-year option on Markel Fultz. Um, and, and I, I do think that was kind of also a no-brainer and, and pretty standard. Um, but, you know, he hasn't played a minute, you know, and and everything, you know, in his career has come with, with you know, so much murkiness as far as his health and his availability. And so, you know, I've heard a lot of good things this summer about Markel, um, you know, making it back sooner rather than later and getting healthy. And, and obviously, you know, that, that is thoracic you know, outlet syndrome was diagnosed as a good sign. Um, I think a lot of the people that, that follow the magic, we, we just kind of feel like this was a move they had to make despite the number being, you know, 12.3 million or whatever it is in, in 1920, because you're kind of like hedging your bet, you know, you traded for him. Um, and you know, worst case scenario, you don't pick up his fourth year option and, and he comes back and he's amazing this year, you know, now he's a free agent. So you just protect yourself from some sort of situation like that. Um, uh, not to get too much into the magic salary cap, but they're going to kind of be hard capped with or without him. So, you know, he's not keeping them from doing anything they would have been able to do. So it was, uh, the, the right move, I think. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. In the end, it's just coming from the owner's pockets. Um, it, it sounds like you have faith in him, but is that because just because you feel like you have to since you traded for him and the guard lineup is really underwhelming here with DJ Augustine and Michael Carter-Williams being your other options? 
Yeah, yeah, that might be, you know, that's probably fair. It's a little bit of blind faith and, you know, a lot of hope. Um, you know, it's also hard because he's still relatively new in town in the sense that, you know, he was traded and came in February. He was still traveling to California, like to get some treatment. You know, he was around the team, but but when the team made the playoffs, you know, there was so much focus on some other things. You know, Markel, um, you know, in the summer now, you know, some videos have popped up of his workouts and then some some stories and rumors of his comeback. But it's just there's there is a lot of of faith and optimism blind optimism but you just don't know like you just don't know um on our site he's a guy we kind of talk about like you can't count him in right now as part of the plans and he's just sort of like a cherry on top and he's great if it works out but if not you know i think that's why they brought back a guy like carter williams and i wouldn't be shocked if maybe you know they found another um, you know, point guard late in this process, heading into training camp just for insurance because you just you don't know. Um, I'm not sure it's it's an injury, his TOS that's going to prevent him from ever playing again. I think now he's just trying to figure out a level of like where he's comfortable and, and his pain tolerance because I mean he played with it for like 20 games last year in Philadelphia and he obviously wasn't like his best self, but he was at his worst you know a backup point guard of the nba that that's passable that could play a little bit defense and run an offense and so i do think he'll be back on the court it's just like you know what is he going to be comfortable with you know how much is he going to be able to contribute and he's still very very raw and very uh young yep i think you brought up the key takeaway from this which is that it's um not there's no opportunity cost in terms of the salary cap it's not that this is $12.5 million that could have been used to sign a different player. They were going to be above the cap next season, and they will still be that way. They can still use their exceptions, but um, you know, probably won't really press up against the luxury tax line either. So, yeah, this is coming out of the bottom line of the team's expenses, but it's not really operational budget that is taking a hit there. So you, you might as well do it if you can. Um but yeah, let's talk a little bit about last season here. Uh, you guys finished 42-40, and 40, pretty middle of the road, I would say, but that's good enough for a playoff spot in the East. And, uh, and, and kind of in this pack of teams uh, near that bottom of that playoff race, you guys were actually smack dab in the middle of the, the Brooklyn, Orlando, Detroit, Charlotte, Miami, that cluster there that all had... Uh, playoff aspirations but um, did you feel do you feel like this team was destined to make a playoff spot out of this group or were you were, were you sweating it down to the last the last week or so or did you feel like there's significant separation between a team like Orlando and a team like last year's uh, Miami Heat yeah I mean there were some things that that definitely went Orlando's way last year um you know, Miami and, and Charlotte dealt with their fair share of injuries and the magic, you know, their eight or nine guys in the rotation for the most part were extremely healthy. You know, DJ Augustine, Evan Fournier, Ross, Vucevic, Gordon, you know, they all logged, you know, 70 plus games. Um, Jonathan Isaac, who missed most of his rookie year, came back and, and played the majority of the season. And so the Magic, you know, unlike some other teams in that discussion, the Detroits and the the Miamis, um, 
they were they were healthy. Um, I would say that making the playoffs last year was probably a little bit of a surprise if people are being honest because the Magic had a brand new coach, you know, and Steve Clifford was a little bit of a, a change from from the Frank Vogel regime. Um, you know, that in itself was a little bit of a surprise that the team moved on from Vogel and and brought in Clifford and he was, uh, you know, something like the fifth coach in four years the organization had had. So you have some young players with with another new coach and another new staff, and and you know, I think I personally would have thought maybe year two of the Clifford, um, you know, staff the the team would have been set up to make the playoffs. But you know, um, some other teams kind of lagged and stalled, and the Magic hung in there, and you know they got better and better down the stretch, especially defensively. You know, they started playing with the identity uh, Coach Clifford, you know, expected of them, and uh, you know they they didn't back in. You know, they played really well down the stretch and, and earned it and beat some good teams and and had some momentum, you know, going to the playoffs. Even you know won Game One in Toronto, but, but, you know, after that they were just outmanned and, and outclassed and didn't have, you know, the talent, but, you know, they were playing very well down the stretch. Right. And touching on that playoff series a little bit, Vucevic, who was obviously the star of the team, made the all-star team this year, really got shut down in that series by Marcus and just a great team defense in Toronto. What do you think some of the other guys were able to learn from that? Mainly I, I've, uh, think of Aaron Gordon and um, and Jonathan Isaac as well. The young guys being able to get that playoff experience. Yeah, that was that was great for them. And you know, Aaron Gordon, I feel played the best basketball of his career in that series. You know, everything um, tightens up and, and becomes so much more difficult in the playoffs. But you know, he shot the basketball well. Um, you know, he, he kept the team in games at times and he was defending, you know, he was one of the main people in the series, you know, charged with defending Kawhi Leonard, you know, and Kawhi Leonard was, was guarding him on the other end. So he certainly had his, his hands full and, and he looked like, you know, he more than belonged. So I think him for sure, um, Aaron Gordon, you know, can use that playoff series as kind of a, a platform to take another step in his career. Um, this season, uh, Jonathan Isaac, you know, he was overmatched a little bit. He was definitely outplayed, um, by Pascal Siakam, uh, which isn't, you know, that huge of a deal. There was a lot of people last year that were outplayed by Pascal Siakam and it was just a really tough matchup. Um, but, but I I think it did give Jonathan Isaac, you know, a, a good idea of, you know, what in his game still needs to, to improve, you know, strength and you know overall awareness but but he's got so much potential um defensively and and just in team schemes and just as as a guy that that could help this team get to that next level um you you were you're perfectly you know on point with with the team defensive scheme you know marcus all defensively just played out of his mind in that series he was able to to bully Vucevic and and push him off the block and, and just make him feel uncomfortable they came with double teams at the right time, took away a lot of passing lanes because Vooch is, is a, an above-average passer and just completely took you know an all-star out of the series. So Isaac, I am certainly uh, pretty high on, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but Mo Bamba, another young guy on the team, I think had some serious struggles, especially on defense. And 
I wonder, this is a question, I, I guess, that goes back to our discussion about the Magic being locked in for the foreseeable future with their cap space. I, I wonder, and I think this comes up a lot, why the Magic keep going big in the draft. Uh, Isaac, you know, I guess theoretically could play some three, but he really appears to be more of a four or a five. Um, Aaron Gordon has been pushed down to the three, but it seems like Vucevic and Gordon have been the the key pieces are, are you know perceived as the key pieces and are certainly paid like the key pieces now, especially with Vucevic, his extension. But the Bamba pick, there were other options to go there. Did you like them going big with Bamba? Um, it was it was a weird spot. To, to be in in that draft um you know there was such a heavy run on centers at the top of that draft in in 2018 um you know you had a run of uh Aiden and Phoenix and and you know whatever you want to call Bagley you know forward big forward center but I mean there was just a run of bigs you've got um Bamba you've got Wendell Carter and so that was just you know, they're a franchise that for whatever reason, the last few years they've been in the lottery, they've always either been like one pick away from a De'Aaron Fox or like one pick away from a, a two picks away from Alonzo Baller. You know, whatever they've needed has gone right before them. You know, um, somebody, you know, sneaks up ahead of them in the lottery or, or whatever. And, and I really do think this regime just kind of Jeff Weltman, John Hammond, they just they take, you know, the, they have a board and they don't, you know, for whatever reason, you know, put a lot of stock or value in positions. You know, they just, you know, they, they have a value board and they, they take the, the best player available, even if it seems like it's doubling or tripling up on positions. And, you know, they just want to figure it out later. They also obviously have an infatuation. And with wingspan and length, you know, it started out kind of as a joke when um, the guys got into town. And then it's just like now it's not even like I don't want to say it's not funny, but it's not like a joke. Like that's just what they do. Like they draft people that have long wingspans. And and so, you know, you can kind of see their M.O. Um, with with Isaac and with Bamba. He he grew on me because of the potential to be, you know, this eraser. Um, when Bamba was drafted, you got to remember, you know, Vucevic was going into the last year of his contract and, and there were some questions about his long-term place in Orlando. So it wasn't, it wasn't, I guess, as bad as now when you look at moving forward, you've got two guys that clearly are center only in Vucevic and Bamba. Um, and you know, so a lot. There's a lot of fans in Orlando that that didn't want to pay Nick Vucevic even after his breakout breakout All Star year, because of the 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 fear that he might block Bamba or that the team would have to sell Mo Bamba, you know, for for you know a penny on the dollar, you know, to someone else. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. 
Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Yeah, in another example of them liking the length, they signed Al Farouk Aminu over the offseason, mm-hmm. a move that Rich and I were not very big fans of. I think he fits what this team is known for, where he has the defense. He's one of these wings, like you mentioned, some uh, the wingspan, a little bit of length, but he doesn't add any offense. Were you the same way, a little bit of a question mark when you saw the Aminu uh, signing? Yeah, yes. Um, I got, I got really kind of, uh, I was questioned by some of my followers on Twitter when, when I thought that that signing was extremely redundant and, um, you know, I was surprised how pleased, you know, a lot of people were with that signing, you know, to me, I know he could play either forward position and I get the whole veteran presence and leadership in the locker room. He did start a lot of games for, you know, a very good team in the Western conference. So, so I get all that. He just seems like the kind of player the Magic, you know, literally already have in Jonathan Isaac, in Aaron Gordon. It's always nice to have depth, you know, for sure. But, you know, when the team brought Vucevic back and Terrence Ross back, you know, their summer in free agency was pretty much over. So the only other addition they could make to the roster, you know, was with that mid-level exception. You know, so that was it. And I just... It wasn't that I'm totally anti-Aminu, and I went to the press conference and you know I met him, and and, and I really do think he's going to help the organization. But it's like I just thought they could have distributed that that limited money that they had in other areas, you know, shooting more shooting on the wing. You know, his shooting has always kind of been a question mark his whole career. You know, leadership, defensive. Ability and tangibles, not so much, but but shooting, you know, is a question mark. You know, I thought they could add another shooter or more point guard depth, um, but they decided to go with Aminu. And, you know, he does check some boxes, um, experience, leadership, you know, locker room guy. Um, you know, and, and I think his defensive mentality is exactly what this organization is, is trying to, to build. Um, so... So maybe not so much to me, but but to them, to the people that matter that are making the decisions, you know, I guess he, he made sense. Yeah, and the other re-signing uh, that I see here is Kem Birch, who is another big guy. And, uh, you know, I also see that, I think it was mentioned, Michael Carter-Williams uh, was brought back as well. But it's just, it does feel like this team has a pretty severe imbalance Um you know, I, I, I just, I, I guess I'm being redundant here, but you've got Fournier uh, and Ross on the wing, which is two nice pieces for sure, but not any depth really. Um, and if DJ Augustin can continue to kind of do better than what is expected of him, then you you should be okay at point guard. If Fultz turns into something, that's a nice lotto ticket to have, certainly. Um, but it just feels like you guys are stacked at the four and the five. And I mean, the only way I can really ask this question as a new question is, do you, you know, do you think that Aaron Gordon is going to be playing the three this year? Yeah. I mean, you know, for the majority of last season, Gordon and Isaac both started at what the team just, you know, called the forward positions. You know, there wasn't a traditional three or four. 
Um, if you looked at who they guarded, you know, each night, that's usually what Jeff Weltman, um, his response to, to positional questions is, you know, you are who you can guard. And, you know, just matchup wise, it, it worked out that a lot of times Aaron Gordon would guard the other team's three, I guess, traditionally. Um, you know, on offense, he certainly does have a little bit more ball handling and shooting ability than Jonathan Isaac at this point. But but I would consider them both power forwards as their best positions. They're both just kind of gadget forwards that, that the team mixes and matches. And then a lot of times, you know, the, the Magic closed games with Fournier and Ross on the floor at the same time, you know, two of their better finishing players. So then, you know, Isaac w- would sit and Gordon would slide to the four. Um, but you're certainly right. I mean, you've got $28 million invested in Vucevic, 20 in Gordon next year. Um, you've got, you know, Aminu, you've got Bamba, you've got Birch, you've got Isaac. You know, I mean, he's not going to play this year, but I mean, the, the team drafted in the first round this year, Ch- uh, Chumo Kiki. I mean, he's another forward, you know, that could kind of slide in between a three and a four. And and and, and the backcourt is, is, is very thin. You know, that DJ Augustine is a veteran who has played a lot of minutes in the NBA and has been um, damn solid for the Magic the last couple of years. But, you know, they're they're one injury away or one, you know, off season for DJ Augustine away from from really, you know, taking a step back, I think, because you've got Augustine with a lot of burden on his shoulders. You've got Fultz with a ton of questions and you're staring, you know, Michael Carter Williams down as the next guy up, you know, who who was fighting for an NBA job just last season. So, you know, I, I think they could have many, many times in the offseason, free agency, draft, whatever, addressed, you know, the lead guard position. And for whatever reason, uh, they, they didn't. Yeah, and... I do want to compliment the defense of this team, obviously. I think we mentioned it before we started recording, and it's just obviously what got them to the playoffs. Um, Fifth in opponent points. They did great in percentage, both three-point and two-point percentage. Allowed the eighth-fewest attempts. But on the offensive end, there were obviously a lot of issues, and I felt like a way to make up for that would be able to get out in transition and with Orlando being fifth in turnovers why do you think that fifth in um yeah fifth in turnovers why do you think that they weren't able to get out in transition after those is part of that because you're playing what normally would be a power forward at the three yeah, I mean, there's there's some players on the roster, you know, that that thrive in, in transition, you know, namely Aaron Gordon. Um, you know, Jonathan Isaac is is long and lanky, and he could run the floor. But I would say the best way to answer your question is just personnel. You know, you know, Vucevic is a player, you know, that plays in the paint and the block. Um, you know, Bombas certainly not gonna run the floor you know he he showed a couple instances where where he could rim run a lot of his energy stemmed off of if he was like blocking shots that night or or whatever but it's just it's dj augustine is a point guard for me pace starts with the point guard right and he's a point guard that thrives in the half court um he's a point guard that thrives in like the pick and roll he is not a guy that i've seen that you know does well in in transition um 
either really does Evan Fournier. He's not a guy that that plays a lot in transition. You know, he he plays a nice two man game, pick and roll game with Vooch. You know, he works spacing in the half court and finds the corner. Uh, I guess that's the best way to answer your question, just personnel. Um, when the Magic were trying to make Alfred Payton work, you know, they they went through stretches where where they tried to play at a just frenetic, you know, pace that was unsustainable. But but for for them, for for back then it was Coach Vogel. That was the best way to use Alfred Payton was was to get easy buckets in transition before teams could set up and then sag off of him in the half court. Now I just think it's completely different personnel since the Magic traded Alfred Payton. Uh, their pace has got dropped to the bottom of the league. I also think that's you know Coach Clifford's intention. You know he does not like his team to turn the ball over. He does not like his team to foul. He doesn't like his team to make mistakes. You know it's very controlled. That can keep you in games if you're not knocking down shots. You know that can make things really difficult. But but I think playing with that kind of pace also messes up his defensive scheme. So so for for whatever reason, you know we're zigging when a lot of the rest of the league is, is zagging. As you mentioned, the Magic kind of just held pat this offseason. They kept their guys, but weren't able to really do too much in terms of additions. And I wonder how this offseason satisfied you how how it struck you if, if you felt that it was sufficient for a team that you know was just a you know only a couple of games a couple of wins into the playoffs really was not that far even as I mentioned earlier you know three wins ahead of Miami in the the 10th spot um you know there and Miami added a guy like Jimmy Butler you know the rising tide in the east are you concerned about this being enough to just Stand pat. You know, it it's a concern, but I mean, I do expect this team, uh, especially at the beginning of the year, to play well. You know, when you look at rosters across the NBA with so much turnover this summer, you know, this is this is a roster that brings back every single player from their nine man rotation. Um, you know, in the playoffs last year, and then adds Mobamba, who is out, and and possibly Markel Fultz, who is out, and you know. Uh, I mean, excuse me, uh, Aminu as well. So, you know, you've got a deep team. You've got a team that, that should have continuity and familiarity with one another. Um, you know, will the rest of the league catch up and will the rest of the league get, you know, healthy? You know, some of those those fringe teams that, that Orlando is going to be battling, um, you know, possibly. I think the organization is banking on, on some teams, you know, the first month or two of the season kind of, figuring out how to play with one another with, with the magic now having a clear blueprint the last month of the season of how to win um, and what works for them. So, so I know the organization wants to get off to, you know, a fast start and then from there just kind of see, you know, what can happen. Um, You know, I, I don't know how many moves there were this summer, major splashes even available for them to make. Uh, I think for a while now, you know, they've been banking on internal improvement because they have so many young 20-year-old players. And I know the Kings are, are in the same exact boat, right? I mean, your, your free agent is your own improvement. You know, guys taking the next leap in their, their careers and becoming, you know, players, different players than they were 
in. And in turn, you know, that internal improvement helps your team move up the hierarchy in the league, not necessarily bringing in, you know, some big splash player. Um, you know, the I guess the, the, the moral debate amongst Magic fans, you know, did bringing back Vucevic or, or Ross block, you know, the development of, of some of the younger people, um, you know, also a lot of this hinges on Markel Fultz. If you can get even close to, you know, the player that, that was drafted number one overall, that changes the whole, you know, outlook of this organization. And if you don't get that guy, you didn't really lose a whole lot in that trade. You know, you don't lose a whole lot of the chips you put in the table, but, but he's certainly the wild card. Yeah, I think everything you're saying makes sense. They have an interesting balance of some older contributors and young ones that you mentioned. And you also brought up bringing back Terrence Ross that we haven't touched on. And having that half-court offense, you really need a creator on the team. And the Human Torch, love the nickname. It goes very accurate with him. Um, Can you just speak to how vital his playmaking and shot creation is with this team? Yeah, I mean he was he was great last year. I mean it was it was the the prototypical you know contract year in the NBA. He had his best year in the NBA. Um, he was just so steady all year long, and and I can't tell you how many times I felt like I was being so redundant. You know when I would write game recaps or game previews or stories that Terrence Ross had as much of a you know, burden and weight on his shoulders as anybody else that comes off the bench around the league. Because if you look at some of those other parts that were on the floor with him, you know, the Wes Wundus and the Jarrell Martins and the Isaiah Briscoes and Michael Carter Williams. I mean, they were running teams are running two guys at him, you know, minimum at all times. And, and there was times, I mean, he was just so on fire. He was coming around screens. He wasn't even looking at the basket. He was just so in rhythm and, you know, he's, he had some clunkers and some off nights, but but for the most part, he was really consistent and, you know, earned every dollar in this, this contract um, that, that he earned in a contract year. And uh, he was Orlando's offense um, off the bench and a lot of times, you know, closing games in the fourth quarter as well. I mean, I think for a guy like Ross, you know, that's so satisfying at this point of his career to find a team and find a coaching staff that gives him that that ultimate green light to, to be able to fire whether he's 0 for 12 or 12 for 12 to, you know, to, to keep shooting. And, um, you know, he's certainly not scared or afraid uh, to let it fly. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So looking ahead a little bit towards next season, we like to identify players that you think will be taking a step back or a step forward. And specifically, if you had to take one guy, if you had to predict one guy to do each, you know, who is that going to be? I, I think we've talked about Augustin a little bit as the, the older stalwart of the team. He is going to be 32 
within a month of the start of the season. Seems like a candidate for regression. And as far as the young guys, you know, we've talked about Isaac and Bamba. But if you want to throw some curveballs at us as well, uh, please do. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's, you know, too much of a, a curveball. But, you know, a guy that I certainly expect to have, you know, a better year next year is is Evan Fournier. Um you know, he, he played really well recently in the, the FIBA World Cup and, you know, shot the basketball well. He's a guy, you know, his whole career that's been a solid NBA shooter above 30%, 37% from, from three for his career. And last year, you know, he dipped to 34, um, you know, 45% from the field. Last year he was, you know, below 44%. He just had an off shooting year, like even though he actually made some really big baskets for the magic, um, you know, what, what the NBA defines as, is clutch, you know, jump shots that, that put the team, you know, ahead with a minute or less to go. He was right there at the top of the league at those kind of shots, but it was unfortunately, you know, the, the first, um, 47 minutes where, where he was pretty rough all year, you know, he had a, had a rough shooting year. Um, coach Clifford, praised uh fournier's defense his defensive improvement throughout the year you know as many opportunities as he could but but shooting the basketball he's just too good a shooter i think you know too streaky too good of a shooter to have another down year so i think evan fournier has some momentum he's actually technically heading into a contract year um he could opt out of his contract in 2020 and 21 um to become a free agent next summer uh, I never would have considered or thought that that would have been an option, but but seeing some of the guys that did opt out last summer, you know, um, Harrison Barnes, Al Horford, I guess, you know, you never know these days, you know, when someone will opt out. It just depends on the market and in what you think is out there. So Fournier could have a Terrence Ross type contract year shooting the basketball and then scoring the basketball for the magic i wouldn't be surprised at all and that would certainly be welcomed right and next year's free agent class is pretty underwhelming so i could come around to it i've started to feel the same way as you where it doesn't feel as sure even when it's pretty lucrative player options with the way that the last couple years have gone um i'm curious what you think some of the storylines are going to be and i feel like a lot of it, obviously, there's the Bomba and Fultz health, but player progression-wise, what are you looking for in terms of area of improvements? Um, I mainly think of Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, yeah, so that'll be a storyline for sure. You know, Jonathan Isaac's storyline, I guess, last year was just can you stay healthy and stay on the court, you know, because he missed – you know, the majority of his rookie season and he came back strong and was available, you know, he was available for the team and now heading into his third year, you know, storyline will be how much, you know, um, progress can he make, you know, the casual fans, they like counting stats, you know, how much more can you increase your points per game? How much more can you increase, you know, your rebounds per game, whatever, because, you know, the things that don't show up in a box score, you know, deflections and, you know, changing shots and getting in passing lanes and that kind of stuff, you know, he's been good at and will continue to be good at and solid at, you know, as long as he's been in the NBA, he's been been strong there. Um, you know, his 
his confidence, you know, shooting the basketball, you know, they're going to leave teams are going to leave him open. That kind of stuff needs to improve. And, and same thing with Aaron Gordon, you know, his shot is always like the first thing people look at shooting efficiency with Aaron Gordon. Um, is he taking the right kind of shots? Um, Aaron Gordon has expressed interest this summer in taking more shots at the rim. And I don't mean just like drunk dunks in transition. You know, he wants to get back to playing a little bit more back to the basket and play on the block. And if he is going to be guarded by smaller, you know, forwards, you know, he would like to get a little bit um, more touches in the paint, you know, which would help him get to the free throw line. You know, he is uh, a relatively strong you know, player, he's got a strong core and, and obviously, you know, big time jumping ability, you know, off the floor. So, so I look for him to improve efficiency. That's always what I look at with him and, and Isaac just finding, you know, more ways to contribute to, to winning on the floor. So help us figure out the projected starting lineup and rotation for this team, because we want to get to the over under uh, the win projection from you, but uh, can you give us the basic uh, rotation for this team as a place to to kind of go from there before we get to wins? Yeah, I think that one will be relatively simple, just because, like I said, the continuity with this team. I mean, I could just go with with what the team was was running out there uh, on the floor last year in the playoffs. You know, um, T.J. Augustine is going to be the the starting point guard. Evan Fournier is going to be the starting shooting guard. Um, they're going to start, you know, some combination of Gordon and Isaac as the two forwards and uh, Vucevic as the center. Um, you know, if we're not counting Markel Fultz as being ready to begin the year, um, Michael Carter-Williams will be the backup guard. He could also defend, you know, um, wings. Uh, Coach Clifford, absolutely loves Michael Carter Williams. Um, he's the reason that Carter Williams is in Orlando, you know, um, Carter Williams played for Clifford in Charlotte and he just raves about his defensive ability. So, you know, why go anywhere else? If you're Michael Carter Williams, you only have a coach in the NBA, probably one of the few that, that really values your service. So you've got him there. Um, of course, Terrence Ross coming off the bench as the six man at the wing um, he can play the two or the three. You now have um, the chief. Uh, you have Aminu as a backup forward. He could play the three or the four. Um, so Aminu, Gordon, and Isaac can kind of rotate around. And that would probably leave the one guy from from the regular rotation probably out of the mix to begin the year, and that's uh, Wes Awandu, um, who will be heading into his uh, third season in the NBA out of Kansas State. Um, he was a second-round draft pick. Uh, you know, has improved, certainly improved from from when he entered the league, and this coming year will be critical for him. You know, he'll, he's on an expiring contract. I just don't see enough minutes for for a one-do um, right away. But you know, things throughout the year come up, and the big question will be the backup center. You know, I think the team is invested in Mo Bamba. Um, but, but Ken Birch, honestly, down the stretch, you know, outplayed Mo Bamba and Ken Birch was, was extremely effective in his, his minutes backing up Vucevic. Um, he's an elite screen setter. You know, he does the, the little things, you know, the dirty things that, that other people 
on the floor, not willing to do. He gets on the floor. He challenges shots. So that that's what I, I know I'll be watching is who gets those backup center minutes. I know that's not super exciting. That's like 15, 16 minutes a game. But that's probably the, the biggest thing that's up in the air is Birch or Bomba at the backup five. Yeah, and one last thing before we get to a hard uh, win total number. Uh, Aaron Gordon is the only guy that I actually got to see in high school. He went to a high school near me. Um, I don't know if you know the school, Rich, Archbishop Archbishop Mitty in San Jose. Um, Mm -hmm. And he clearly got robbed of that dunk contest, right? I mean, there needs to be like one eleven that you can get out because the under the legs over the mascot was something we have not seen. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Like, I'm not a huge, like, dunk contest guy. Like, I mean, it was fun, and I I think Aaron Gordon's dunks were legendary enough where it doesn't really matter, like, who won or anything because, like, they always show his dunks, and that was a lot of fun, you know, him going back and forth with with Zach Levine. But some Magic fans, they get really tripped up by that that's a sore subject you know for me it's like a home run derby it's like whatever it's so it's fun it's for the fans that was that was awesome did he get robbed i guess i mean zach levine was doing some some nasty stuff as well i think both guys just put on you know a great show and and aaron gordon is just one of the one of the better in-game dunkers as well you know of his generation i mean certainly not on the level of like a Vince Carter in game dunker, Dominique Wilkins or Jordan, but but for his generation, I mean, dunk contest or in game or at practice, or whatever. I mean, the guy is just a freak elite athlete, and I'm sure being from that area, you know exactly what I'm talking about in high school. I can't imagine the people that he was he was dunking on. Um, he's uh, he's just great to have around the organization. Um, he's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, he left the door open that maybe down the road he'll do another dunk contest. So so we'll see. So let's get to that win total. Uh, in Vegas, the Magic are pretty much right around 41 wins uh, as a consensus uh, over under. You know, that's 500 basketball, and it's, it's good for the eighth best projection in the East, but just barely. Um, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but, you know, they're in the mix with a lot of those same teams from last year. Uh, Right now, they're just ahead of the Pistons. uh, And it seems that the Heat have leapfrogged over them. So let's get your impression of that 41 win over under and then also what that means for playoff chances. Yes. So I don't know. I've. It's so hard to do this. You know, you don't know who's going to be healthy and, and who's going to be injured, you know, not just with the Magic, but with other people within the division and conference. So it's it's hard to tell. And I guess you have to just attack these things as if everyone, you know, is at full strength. Um, you know, the Magic have depth and, and they certainly, you know, are prepared to make it through an 82 game schedule um you know even if an injury does come up here or there and i just my instinct is i think they'll be a little bit above the 41 or 41 and a half or whatever you know marker i would take the over i wouldn't go too much over um it's so hard to do this i'm thinking like 44 
you know, somewhere in the 44 range, 45 tops, you know, 44 and 38 kind of sounds nice. Um, 45 and 37, somewhere in that range, which probably places them exactly where they were last year, you know, depending on the other teams, you know, six, seven, um, you know, not any higher than that. They're not an elite team in the Eastern Conference, but, you know, I could, I could see if things go right, you know, a lot will have to go right. I could see them being, you know, in, in the six through nine range. I mean, those teams are all, you're, you're splitting hairs. They're all so close um you know clearly this organization the magic have a lot of depth at just about every position except point guard so so if an injury happened there you know then then that's going to hurt this team significantly but everywhere else you know they are positioned to be able to weather something like that and and stay competitive And, and steve clifford is since i've been covering the magic i've covered um three coaches and I mean, he is just so intense and, and I know he rubs off on his guys and they're ready to play. I think at times last year they were playing probably above, you know, their, their team overall talent. You know, he does get, he gets a lot out of his guys. He schemes really well, you know, to, he schemes to stop, you know, what other teams are strong at. He schemes really well. And um, yeah, I would say 40, four i guess um would be my roundabout way of answering your question right and if you can somehow manage that six seed in the east you know which isn't too difficult i feel like if you can not face a milwaukee or philadelphia round one you have a chance to get to the second round of the playoffs which would be a good step for this team but the final question we want to get you from from you aaron is how do you project this team three to five years down the line and i think it's um, a little more tricky with this team than others. And also to add on to that, do you worry that there's a chance you're still stuck in about this, you know, six to eight seed range at that point? Yeah, that's, that's definitely, um, that's a good question. That's definitely a possibility. You know, there's not, there's not a guy that jumps off of this roster, you know, off the screen that I'm looking at right here that that just screams NBA superstar. And so when you project three to five years down the road, I mean, there's a lot of good players, a lot of solid players. There's guys on this list that if they have an absolute unbelievable career year could sneak into like an all-star appearance like Nikola Vucevic did, you know, at his very best, at his ceiling, could Aaron Gordon one year, one or two years in his career, you know, get to an all-star game, you know, probably, you know, but is there a superstar that's going to take this team, you know, to the top three or four positions in the Eastern Conference? Like, I just, I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's why the organization, you know, brought in a guy like Mo Bamba, you know, so he could be, that anchor and you know he has bust potential but if he hits his ceiling you know he just changes the game you know from the the inside out um you know Isaac makes it so difficult on on other teams with his length and instincts defensively but they they still don't have a lot of guys on their roster especially their young core of guys that just naturally score the basketball, you know, and it's just such a offensive oriented league. 
Um, and I guess maybe if you don't have those kind of guys, you just take the other approach and try to stop, you know, the, the, the offensive attack and you bring in the Isaacs, the Bombas, the Gordons, you know, even Fultz. I mean, he's not even at his very best at Washington, you know, when he was an all American and, and he was a player of the year. I mean, he was a very mediocre free throw shooter with, you know, a small sample size shooting, but I mean, more of just like a, uh, a swing player, you know, a, a nice, nice vision, great finishing ability, but, but, you know, he had questionable outside shooting even before his shoulder injury. So this young core lacks, you know, the knockdown shooter. And I think that ultimately their, their struggle to score the basketball ultimately like, you know, kind of caps their, their ceiling. Yep. You know, and I, I think there is good and bad in that uh, we've, talked about specifically i've talked about how i feel like it's undervalued to be the eighth seed because you know i mean lord knows many kings fans would have killed for that over the past decade or so um it's nice to have some playoff games to watch but uh yeah it's also at the same time very hard to see this team winning a playoff series in the next three to five years but uh we appreciate you so much joining us aaron uh everyone go follow aaron please at aaron goldstone and anything else you'd like to plug while you're on with us? Uh, no, just, you know, we've got training camp a couple weeks away, I guess. And, um, you know, over the summer, I, I write, um, you know, a lot of draft content. I, I kind of enjoy that. And, you know, once free agency was over, I kind of took um, an extended break from, from writing, you know, like knowing knowing that, you know, we would be back getting things going at Orlando Pinstripe Post, uh, you know, in September, October. So, um, you know, you guys are doing a great job over there at Sacktown with your with your podcast. And then I appreciate you guys reaching out to me, you know, to have me on. Um, I kind of am a casual fan of the Kings from afar. I don't get to see them play that often but you know i really like uh darren fox's game i really like you know bogey's game and, and i'm interested to see um you know where what bagley you know turns into as well so so you certainly um in sacramento have a core that's that's interesting you know and i think moving in the right direction but like you guys hinted the west is just so incredibly difficult to, to navigate so so best of luck um to you guys this year as well we appreciate it, and it's amazing to be able to say that uh, training camp is right around the corner finally. But thank you again, Aaron, for coming on, breaking down Orlando with us, and thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. You will hear from us again in a couple days.